okay, but you're sound like you're more here now. I'm more here. I like that. Yeah, it's hard to explain. You're not like three seconds in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Give me, get me in a DeLorean. I'll be right there. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of the states, in the west end of Richmond, where it is May the 2nd. Uh, as we record this, it's Tuesday night, even though you're listening to this on Thursday, you're fine. If anything happened on Wednesday, it's not our fault. It's Dave's fault, because he was like doing stuff tomorrow night. Um, so anyway, if, 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 if anything does happen, seriously, though, don't hold it against us that we didn't talk about it. Uh, instead, obviously, you know, this time of year, the, the, the off season topics are starting to f- feel a little, little juicier, but we do have some transfer portal, um, stuff to discuss before we get all the way to the, uh, to the wasteland, to the barren lands of the off season. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody first in Fishersville board moderator du jour, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, Brad. I apologize for making everyone. Um, record a night early how dare um, you all both of you and if oh. anything happens i'll take the blame who days on the board at who days on twitter i like that all both of you that's good um in charlottesville uh editor-in-chief justin ferber is also on this year program how's it going my dude i was just thinking about like the weird you we were talking about time travel before and uh before the show and you just said that like you just explained while we're recording on tuesday and publishing on thursday and I was thinking, you said that Dave has something to do tomorrow night, and we're yeah. recording tonight. But for yes. the listeners, it's last night. That's correct. And two nights ago, that just blew my mind. I just underscore for everyone on Twitter. Welcome, Doc Brown. Yep. Well done. Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. All right. So in the um, you know, we all sort of had an inkling last week that Virginia was going to pick up um. Anthony uh, Robinson. Uh, the fact that I have not called him Richardson you know, in any of the various places is astonishing considering my track record on this among the three of us. Um, so that one is now official. He has signed. Um, I, I've never seen a kid in a story like he told Houston uh, it's going to be a movie, which for just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got to laugh about this for a second. Like for a kid who, who is like, you can tell it's like legitimately like he's in that Brogdon mold. It's like an earnest, you know, humble kid, right? He just fits Tony Bennett and, and company to a T. And then just just to drop that little nugget at the end, I just thought was was just beautiful. I just loved it so much. I, he sends me the story. I re- I read it like three different times, and I, <laughs> I legit texted Houston and I said, "Did he really say it's gonna be like a movie?" Hey, if it's like a movie, I hope it's a good one. I hope it's like one where people win lots of championships because that would be fun. So. Obviously, we talked a lot about that last week. Um, before before we sort of leave that, though, I, I just want to kind of give us a chance real quick because with with Blue Kane coming off the board, it does feel like maybe the, that is that is it. Other than waiting for Reese Beekman to announce his decision, 
Um, certainly, you know, you can never say never in these kinds of situations. So I don't want to say the door is like completely closed, but it feels like on some level, uh, we sort of know, again, absent Reese's decision, we sort of know what it's going to look like. Um, Dave, if this is the roster, and let's just assume for argument's sake that Reese comes back, if this is the roster uh, as constructed, um, how are you feeling about going into next season? Because there's a there's a lot more changing of the guard here than UVA basketball is typically accustomed to. Um, how are we feeling about this roster heading into uh, next season? If if recent, you know, as as I think most of us kind of think probably will happen uh, if he comes back. I mean, and your hypothetical where Reese returns, I feel really good about, about the <laughs> roster. Um, yes, you can't. I mean, that's a better team than without him. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the staff's done a good job of, you know, filling a lot of holes that were there. Um, kind of a good mix of upside and experience. Um, you know, you got transfers, I think, what, two transfers with one year, and then Rody's got three. So, you know, I think it's a good mix. Um, a bunch of good shooters, which we know is where the game is going, where the game is. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, still, I'd still like a little more size up front. Um, but, you know, you you can win. You know, you looked at the tournament this year. Those, those teams didn't have a lot of size in the front court. Um, they did have a little more size, but not a lot of size. So I think overall it's pretty good, especially compared to where we were, what, six weeks ago? Um you know, a, a lot of pieces that I, that I like, and I think a lot of interesting ways you can put them together. Um, certainly, more you know, there are more interesting ways to put them together with Reese re- returning. Even if he doesn't, though, I think it's a solid you know a solid team that could certainly be be very good come March. Yeah, I I kind of tend to think that like I, I feel like if um and this uh, listen what I'm about to say is absolutely zero you know shade or whatever at at, um, at uh, Robinson, but I kind of feel like if if that had been a transfer portal piece, right, a guy that you think is going to help right away, when the general gist seems to be with with Robinson that it's very likely he's going to redshirt. Um, I love how UVA, by the way, has still found a way to manage to redshirt a dude, um, even amid all the redshirt conversation um, in recent you know months or whatever. Anyway. If this is the case and he was, you know, and if it was the all things being equal and instead you had instead of Johnson, you had a transfer portal piece and it was a, a guy who could play right away. I think I would feel better about it forever, but I'm not saying I feel bad. I, I think Rody is the key to me. I mean, no, no disrespect again to anybody else, but I think he's the piece that really unlocks things in terms of where uh, of the differences that I can really see in this team. Um same question to you though that I, that I posed to Dave. How, how are if if this is the the roster and let's assume that Reese comes back, um, how are you feeling about next season for him? Yeah, I think they can be a competitive team for sure. Um, I think this season and other seasons recently have proven that you can turn your roster over with transfers, and it's not always going to translate to immediate success or turnarounds, um, but it can. Right. Like UConn and, and San Diego State both had transfers on their roster. UConn in particular um, had quite a few. So, I mean, it can it can definitely change the trajectory of your team. Um, you mentioned Reese coming back. I mean, obviously, that's a huge difference, whether he comes back or not. Um, you're talking about adding or subtracting an all ACC caliber player. Um, if he does come back, I feel pretty good about this team uh, as constructed. I think 
maybe they wouldn't look exactly like last year's team, but I think they could be about as good. Um, and you know, maybe you know, if if guys hit their ceiling, the transfers in particular, maybe even better. Um, just because like it, you have to assume that Ryan Dunn, Leon Bond, McNeely, those guys are going to have to make a leap, and then you're getting Dante Harris, who's another addition that kind of you know doesn't really get lumped in with the other guys that they added recently, but. Um, I think that there's, you know, some upside there for sure. Even if Reese doesn't come back, I think this is a team that can compete. Um, I don't know that they would be elite, but I think they could be a competitive, decent team. Um, but yeah, I think they've done a nice job backfilling. Uh, they had a lot of departures and a lot of space to, to fill, and they've done a pretty good job of doing that. I agree with Dave's assessment that, you know, I still feel like they might be, missing a piece in the front court that could take them from like a good team to a great team potentially. Um, but you know, it seems like they're it, it, just based on what they're out there looking for right now. It just feels like they're kind of content with where they are. Um, I think they've added some good role players. Um, Robinson, you know, he's a project. So I think, you know, we'll see what he can do in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, they had a lot of needs. They went out and filled a lot of them. I think that one of the underrated pieces of their additions is just scoring. Like, Rody can score, Miner can score, um, or at least they did at their previous stops. You know, we'll see how they do against the ACC competition. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to be at least cautiously optimistic about this group, I would say. I, I think one, one more thing on the basketball front before we switch gears. I, I think the thing that um... – you know, I, I feel like for a lot of folks, you know, coming out of last year and then the guys, you know, you, you knew you were going to lose some pieces and you had guys transfer. And that, that always, I think, is a even in, in this day and age when I think more people are more aware of the transfer portal than ever, as they you know should be. But I still don't think that folks sort of truly appreciate just sort of like the reality that has now beset college basketball, because that is just going to be the way it is. Right. And. Like you're not special because you have some guys transfer. Like everybody's gonna have dudes leave and go. You know that's just gonna be the way it is. They're gonna they're gonna go and they're gonna come and that's just like the nature of the of the beast. Um, but I think a lot of folks were really sort of down on Tony and company being able to right the ship and find the pieces. Um, you know I think that if you look at the roster and you kind of try to you know game it out a little bit, you can really see some places where. Um, they're going to be, you know, they have the potential to be demonstrably better. Even if, to Ferber's point, even if maybe I think they're not actually hitting their ceiling, I think even if they if they just are consistent. I think as I look back on last season, and, the you know, sometimes you get a little bit further away from some, something, you have a little bit more of a, um, of a feel for it. I just really think consistency and the lack of it was, was a really tough, um, it was a tough mountain for them to climb. I mean, I think Tony really struggles as a coach when he's not sure what he can count on. And this team, I think, was probably frustrating in the sense that, like, there were times where things were really easy and there were times where it just, like, was bafflingly, bafflingly hard, you know? So I feel like, if nothing else, this group, because of some of the experiences they've had, because of the way sort of the skill sets fit together, I think their consistency will be demonstrably better. And if that is the case, as I expect it will be, I think that results will not follow, you know, too far behind. Now, are you talking about an elite team? Are they ready to be, you know, a top one, two, three seed? 
that one I think is TBD. Um, not not because they can't do it, but because I think it's kind of crazy to think that anybody um, with the sort of um, bona fides that this roster has, you, you can, that's just not a group you're going to project to go that route. That being said, if we get to you know January and they're a top ten team, am I going to be surprised? Probably not. Um, I, again, I think Rhodey is is really really good, and I feel like he's the he's the type of uh, ocean that sort of raises all boats. Um, in, in terms of, um, yeah, last thing before we, we switch football for you guys. So in terms of the roster, is there, is there a dude that you're most, I mean, other than, you know, seeing new pieces and, and such, is there a returning guy who you think has to do more because of where the roster is? Cause for me, I, I think because they didn't get that big, you really have to see, um, whether it's, whether it's done taking another step beyond where we, we saw him last year, or if it's bond taking like a step and a half, com, you know, coming off of a retro year, because you've got sort of that, that, that initial, it's hard to kind of get things moving sometimes when you haven't played. So that forward momentum takes a little bit longer. Do you guys, do you guys have a, a dude who you feel like has to do more because they didn't, you know, go out and get that big or go out and get, you know, um, another true score. Um, or 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 Dave, do you feel really comfortable, sort of, with the way things are stacking up? I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, I think I texted you this guy, you this, uh, you guys this, and I'm sure we may have a further discussion about it during the long off season. But to me, the key for next year's team being good versus great, or you know, bad versus great, is a development of Ryan Dunn. Um, even more so than the return of Reese Beekman, which doesn't mean I don't want Reese back. I just think if Dunn can make a leap like DeAndre Hunter did, for instance, between his first and second year, um, I think Virginia it makes up for a lot of deficiencies Virginia has on the front court um, as far as pieces. Whereas Beekman, I think, look, Beekman's an elite defender and has never gotten the chance to run the program, you know, run the show on his own because Kie has been here the whole time. Um, and this is not an indictment of him, but I think Virginia with the pieces they already have on the roster can probably figure that out a little easier and then figure out the front court. Um, you, if Ryan Dunn comes out and gives you a Keel Mitchell like defense with some improved offense, um, you know, that front court goes from a question mark to a strength pretty quickly. Yeah. Ferber, last thing on you before we switch to the ball, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. Honestly, I think Dave's answer is spot on. Like Ryan Dunn hitting or not hitting a ceiling, but getting closer to it is is key. And I think you need to get something from Bond um, just because Dunn's not going to be able to do it all. Um, and there's some redundancy between them, but there's also some differences, um, especially on the offensive end. So we'll see. Um, but I think those two guys, their development um, going to their second year in the program is is probably – what's most needed because I'm pretty confident in what they have in the backcourt. Even if Reese doesn't come back, I think they have a decent amount of talent and depth there. All right. So on the football side of things, the transfer portal is now, I believe officially closed, right? Isn't that the the deal? Um, the school still had the, the two days to essentially announce, but as of, I believe Sunday, um, you guys aren't chiming in to tell me I'm wrong. So I must be uh, not wrong. Um, maybe, we'll maybe we're on a delay again. <laughs> That's true. They, but see the, the folk, the folks at home, they missed all that. 
They didn't even they didn't even know it was a thing until you just mentioned it. So good job, Ferber. Way to way to remind them. No, I'm kidding. So in in terms of the the portal and in terms of sort of like where where if there are if there is help to come where it's coming from and that kind of stuff. I I don't want to I want I don't want to be hyperbolic here or give the impression that that I think landing um Jimmy Chris and um Malcolm Green is like monumental or anything like I'm not saying that all of a sudden I'm expecting them to like win an ACC championship. That being said, I do think these are two very important decisions for a variety of reasons which I think we should get into. And I think if you're a fan who was kind of wanted to give, if you were hoping for the team, for Tony Elliott, to give you a reason to be excited, I do think these two decisions help in that um, that endeavor. Like, I'm not saying that it gets you all the way home, no pun intended, considered, you know. But I, I do think it helps. And, and I think it actually helps substantially. One is at a position of need, um, a guy who, you know, you needed – pieces on the offensive line you went out and you got a piece on the offensive line and it just so happens to be a highly regarded piece and a guy who seriously considered you out of high school UVA legacy a kid who uh, was an in-state guy like this this checks a lot of the boxes right then you've got green whose brother's literally you know in the pipeline and and you've got the in-state piece and you've got obviously you know the position he plays another position to need something Tony Elliott was very clear about um coming out of spring ball like hey we've got to do some work in the portal um dave in terms of the the those two additions how much do they move the needle for you in the big picture um it's hard to say i mean they're decently i mean it's it's not a non-mover um like i think they're the bigger thing for me um is it's two players from from the commonwealth um coming back to the flagship school and in two big positions of need for UVA. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, um, Green played a decent amount of snaps at Clemson. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing a ton, but he's a role player. He, he played more than, more than some other transfers we've gotten in the past from other schools. So, um, and he played well when he was in there. So, and then, you know, Chris, obviously the offensive line um, with all the losses they had last year and, you know, all the youth there, any extra piece, especially a piece with his talent, um, you've got to be happy about. And then, you know, what well, we talked about it, how many times, a thousand about, you know, building the roster with, with Virginia guys. Um, I think nowadays you, you can't discount doing it through the transfer portal either. And it gives you the same net effect. You've got someone that local people know, especially when they're, you know, young like Chris. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely moves a needle. Um you know, we didn't get a five-star quarterback or something, something here, but they are, uh, you know, both guys that Virginia would have loved to have out of high school. Um, and you just hope they have a positive experience here. So Virginia can catch some momentum from it. I love, I love how even in his excitement, Dave is still somewhat like Dave has this like specific way of him of like always making sure that he keeps the potential negative in Have mind the schedule for next year <laughs> <laughs> but that, what was that schedule that schedule will pull you back to reality real quickly <laughs> yeah that's very fair there was something the other day that you said and i was like this is the most day response ever um oh it was oh i know it, I, we don't need to talk about it but i remember what it was now Ferber, what, what do you think uh how do these two pieces uh move the needle for you 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think they're both talented players. I think there's a chance that they could come in and make an impact. Based on their production in college to date, I wouldn't say either of them is like a slam dunk to be like a huge contributor. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think they will be. I just think that, you know, it's a potential play for both of them. I'm interested to see where Green fits because he's not like a prototypical outside corner. He would be more of like a nickel, I guess. Um, you know, we'll see like what they do with him if that's where he has an impact. Um, Chris, you know, I, I think has the potential to come in and play just based on what UVA has got on the offensive line and how many question marks there are, especially on the right side. Um, and given the fact that at Penn state, like they literally have the best off returning offensive lineman in the country um, at left tackle. So like, I think, and I think their other tackles are pretty good. So, I mean, like you can see how it might be hard for him to break through there. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity for him. It's an opportunity for UVA and, and for Green. It's cool to see him kind of reconnect with his brother. And and obviously, I think he – I guess he finds that he has a better chance to kind of get some playing time here than he would have if he stayed at Clemson. So, um, we'll see if that works out. Um, but, yeah, it's never bad to get in, even if you're getting bounce backs from, from the schools that those two guys come from um, and the areas in general. I think that's always good. Um, so – Solid additions. Um, I would have liked to have seen them got, get like more of a prototypical outside corner, um, but you know you can't can't win them all. I think the I mean, difference for me on these two is I, I I don't know if I'm if I'm ready to say that they're gonna you know pencil them in as like starters. Um, I do think that they're gonna have a a a, a significant part, uh, if not of like snaps from scrimmage they're definitely going to be you know a, a significant part of the narrative and i it, it this reminds me a little bit of like the idea that we talked about with a quarterback right that if if for some reason um you know wolfo came in and, and won the job right that means that because of the spring that musk had had and because of he was already here that means really good things about wolfo right if 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 uva can trot it's team out there next this coming season. Right. And these two dudes are not factoring into from scrimmage and they're healthy. That is a good sign to me in terms of the development of the guys that they already had on the roster. Right. Um, I, I think that both of these kids are talented. I think both of them um, are perfect, you know, fits for a variety of reasons. Uh, maybe, maybe green's not a prototypical outside corner, you know, from the measurables uh, piece of it. Um, I think that's a that's a fair takeaway, but I think if you look at the the sort of um, totality of circumstances, right? Um, the, these are exactly the kind of players Virginia needs to be getting. I mean, that's just the long and short of it. And I don't I don't I don't saying that just because they happen to geographically go to high school in Virginia, but I mean these are dudes whose whose families you know are involved in the program. Like it's not a good sign when some kid's younger brother or whatever, somebody who doesn't have experience, whatever, doesn't want to go there. Like, that's not a good look like that. That typically what that means is like this person, their family, they, they got up close and they saw the warts and they're like, nah, never mind. So it's a good look. I think for these guys to sort of be there, it's a good thing for in-state kids to be there. Um, you know, we've, you know, we talked ad nauseum, right. About in-state recruiting and, you know, sort of the, the, the errors of Broncos past and, you know, the, the, the necessities of Tony's future. And 
the reality of the situation is like these are the dudes you've got to be able to land, man. Highly talented, highly sought after guys from your state. Now, the transfer portal changes this a little bit because these bounce back recruitments, um, they they are every bit as important as anything else, right? And so here you have guys who have been in a college program, even if they haven't necessarily made a whole lot of contributions from scrimmage, even if they're not coming in as like presumptive starters or, you know, kind of, you know, can't miss sort of additions. They're coming in to a program that desperately needs guys like them. And if nothing else, that's a really nice step in the right direction. Dave said something interesting earlier. said, you know, if he hope, you know, he has a good experience, so to speak. Right. Because I think we do sort of take it for granted that kids like this will come home and that's better. Right. That's not yeah. always the case. Um, uh, Cameron. <laughs> I was going to say Cam <laughs> Kelly. Um, although there was, a, it was a Tim and, and Storm Duck who both bounced from there. Yeah, a little fishy. Yeah, and then they and both, both signed Louisville. Louisville before I don't the know, man. before mm. the retweet stopped. Yeah, you know, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll just leave that one right there. Um, Louisville has twenty transfers coming in. That's wild, dude. That is wild. Mm. Some, some serious some uh, nil opportunities happening um, in the Derby City. Anyway, I digress. So I just feel like these are the kind of kids Virginia's going to need to get, and it's good to see them getting them. So like, I don't want to. I, I guess what the mistake I don't want to make is I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm not being cognizant of just the because I think there is an achievement in and of itself of getting these kinds of kids back on grounds. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. worth it's notable. Right. The the on field piece is separate from that, but also very much related, if that makes sense. And I feel like yeah, I mean, hold on once more, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. landing the plane, Dave. <laughs> I, I feel like that part of it, even if we need to wait and see on that. The other part of it, I think, is every bit as important, especially right now, because as you look at sort of what Virginia's doing in, the, in its recruiting class, it does have a more in-state sort of flavor. And it does feel, okay, well, maybe maybe this thing is actually headed in the right direction in terms of the in-state recruiting. I think that's that's important. All right, what were you going to say, Dave? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, obviously with, you know, Chris, you know, having him back, uh, his, his school produces a lot of talent. Um so it's always good to have someone the guys there might know, you know, when they come on recruiting visits, but green, I mean, come on. I mean, we just Highland Springs has been a school. Virginia struggled to get a lot of traction with just because they had kind of a pipeline to Virginia tech. And then recently, you know, North Carolina, Penn state and others have, have done well there. But now I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. We've got, we've got fish grease. We got um, miles and Malcolm green. Was Carlo Thompson Highland Springs as well? Uh, Fisher's from Verina, I believe. Oh, that's right. Fish Creek. Yeah. Yes, Still in Rico County, um, just the, the, the wrong yeah, part yeah, of wrong the So I think we've got at least three Highland Springs players on the roster. Now, who am I missing, though? The Green Brothers Billy or Kemp. someone else? You're thinking of Billy <laughs> yeah, Kemp, too, left. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking about. But anyway, you know, Highland Springs has a pretty good quarterback. I wouldn't mind. Uh, um, wouldn't mind adding to the 24 class. But, um, yeah, and you mentioned – I'm glad you brought up that in-state recruiting thing. So I got, you know, obviously with um, the commitment over the weekend, um, uh, Joe Rogers, right? Is that the name? Johnny. Johnny Rogers. Um, Jolly. Sorry, I don't... Jolly Rogers, even better. <laughs> so the, uh, I think, you know, our first three commits were from all from the Commonwealth. And I was like, man, I wonder how long that had been. And then I went back and looked, Oh, it's been one year. <laughs> That's how yeah. last year started. Um, so it's all about how you finish, but um yeah, I think Green's a good player, man. I, I not to circle back around to that. Um, I dug into his numbers a little bit on PFF and went and watched some highlights of him. 
I don't nearly know if Clemson figured out how to use him. Um, I mean, he pat he rushed, he blitzed quite a bit on the plays he was in. Um, but I think in the way Rudd uses pieces, um, him having two years of eligibility too, um, I, I'm excited to see what what he can provide because you know Virginia does have pretty good depth in the secondary on the back, you know, on the safety spots in particular. Um, uh, you know, Green having two years certainly would give him a heads up. If I had to you know, give him a leg up on getting some experience to help us out next year as well. But I like him. He, he's a dynamic athlete and, you know, at a, at a position where Virginia needs it. Um, and then Chris, if you think about the offensive line, I mean, Bowley seems to be penciled in as a starting left tackle, but he kind of was coming out of fall camp next year, last year. And then, you know, Patterson's been working a lot at right tackle. Um, you're going to need someone else. He's got a chance to come in and earn it. And if he comes in in shape, um, you know, it wouldn't be out of out of the realm of possibility. Virginia's rotating three tackles on a consistent basis. So, I think overall you got to be very happy if you're a Virginia fan um, until you look at that schedule. <laughs> Dave, always going to come back to the schedule. So, all right. So the Chris thing is interesting to me because, like, I don't what what's the statute of limitations? Because I mean, Tuche was 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 you know was on the podcast. I mean, he was a you know was a breath of fresh air at times. I will, is it fair to say that he really struggled with the highly rated offensive lineman? Like, I feel like... I mean, he looked, got him. Uh, did he? He was committed. Yeah, and, and and then what happened? I mean, then Penn State came coming. <laughs> then he didn't have him. He had him but before I mean, he didn't like, have him. But I mean, if you lose a dude to Penn State, you lose a dude to Penn State. Like, no, I guess, well, it's it not, I guess if, if it's in a vacuum, correct. Yeah. But but my, my thing is that I felt like that a lot of the guy, the bigger higher-end guys that 2J went after even guys he was in there for a long time with, they tended to not land um, on grounds. I mean, I think that's yeah. demonstrably true. I right? think like the difference not- is, though, if we're really thinking, it, like looking at this, I think the difference is he was in there with some dudes, whereas like all the other position groups weren't. Yeah, yeah. Like, where, what other that. position groups did they have guys like Zach Rice on the hook? Because I can't yeah. think of any. And I just wanted to point out, Virginia's been on two very good Offensive linemen in the state and or didn't make their final cuts this week. Um, with Moose Wade and uh, Fletcher Westfall. Well, so, but that, but that's but that's understandable considering that both of those guys, in terms of where their cycles were, there's a coaching change and there's a and there's also the all position coach change. It, it, and also, I, like, I, I look, I'm not trying to say that like Touche somehow failed because he didn't get any five stars. Right, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, I, I guess what I'm saying is that like. You know, what's the thing from, from Bull Durham? You win one more, you, you know, you got yourself a winning streak. Like, it, it it's kind of like one of those deals where after so many times of them being in a really good spot early on with a guy, eventually they always lost that guy, right, throughout his tenure. And I'm not, again, I don't think that this necessarily has a lot to say necessarily, right, just about Tuja. I think you could, you know, I don't think any of these things happen um, without some, some some coattails right there are definitely lots of things that connect to these pieces i'm just saying that like it's really interesting to me that chris lands at uva after uh 2j is gone um and and that's not to say that there aren't going to be other bounce back recruitments right this probably has a lot more to do with uva specifically um and the need on the offensive line as it does anything else the reason I say that though is because like we get to need like how many years in there did Touje have plenty of playing time to sell, and he couldn't. It, it seemed like to me he couldn't find many guys 
who were really excited um, about taking him up on that, right? And I, again, I'm not trying to like, you know, make this like some sort of referendum on that. I just think it's really interesting that that Chris lands at UVA once 2J is gone. And I'm curious as we go forward if there won't be other sort of bounce back recruitments like that, um, not just at offensive line, but elsewhere. Um, I just find that I, I just I just thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, I certainly wasn't trying to throw anybody under the bus or, and you know, whatever. Green whatever. is like the opposite end of the spectrum because right. if I remember correctly, Broncos staff didn't really go didn't, after him. Didn't really want him. too small. Right. They're right. He didn't fit their 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 blueprint. Um, and if and, and somebody might correct me if I'm wrong here, but my recollection on his recruitment was essentially like he I mean, he they, was very interested in UVA early. UVA was very not interested in him. And then by the time UVA was like, okay, f- you know, fine. It, it was, was like, over. It, and I mean, it probably, they probably weren't going to get him anyway if he had yeah, Clemson offers true. and stuff. But, true. you know, I think I think that was just one of those ones where it's like, you know, I, I, I understand Bronco's philosophy with recruiting, but it was so much about traits that it's like, there's a good player in your backyard, like. Who kind of liked you, you know, like yeah, you should yeah. probably recruit that guy, you know. Yeah, and, I, and we've I, seen like in football, like they've had small guys that have been really good, and you yeah. know, like different things. And I, honestly, like Broncos staff did a pretty good job of identifying like under the radar guys based on those traits, like a Dontavian Wicks type player. Um, so I mean, it's Bryce not Hall. all bad. Yeah, all the quarterbacks that they got. Yeah, um, I mean, so. it's one of those things where you you know I don't have a problem with a coach who says, "Listen, I want players at this position who are X tall and you know whatever." Um, my my issue is when you're like, you know, I, I think Tony does a better job of this historically, right? Where it's like real talk, like was he was he going to be in there for a couple of like the um, the Taylor kid? Like probably not in the long run, you know. But maybe if he made a move early, he could have closed it out before folks got involved. Um, but the truth is, is that, you know, he, he still recruited the kid, even when he didn't think he was going to, he probably didn't think he was going to get him. Right. Um, same thing with, with, with Dave's boy, um, uh, nickel, right? Like I'm pretty sure that early on, yeah, maybe if they made a push, but otherwise, I mean, the thing was probably where it was, but they kept recruiting him, you know, like it's just a, it's a, it's a bad look, I think for, for coaches to not recruit certain players simply because, um, of something like that. Now, if you have a, you know, let's say you're full at a position or, you know, um, that kind of thing, that makes sense. Or you don't think somebody's good enough. Like, I mean, real talk. I, I think there was a little period of time where they didn't think the Rainer kid was good enough. Um, that he didn't fit. And that makes sense to me. But I, I do, I just think that on some level, like a guy like green, like, I think you just recruit him anyway. And if you're lucky enough to get him, then you figure it out. Um, can't tell me in this day and age he couldn't play nickel, right? Like, yeah, okay, he's a little short. So what? You know what? If if the dude can cover, the dude can cover. Um, and we we know he can tackle. We know he 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 can. You know, he's not afraid to put his face in the fan. We've seen that from you know what we saw yeah. um, when he was at Clemson. And I mean, like the alternative was they were playing a former quarterback, former wide receiver, former safety at corner. Exactly. That's such a good point, Ferber. Like, dude, like, exactly. Like, it's not like they were loaded. (laughs) And not just that, they were riding with like all of these dudes year after year in the secondary. And it was like, all right, like, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? They were playing that guy for Fentrell Cypress, who just, (laughs) I mean, think of the guys we saw last year who didn't play because of cross. Um, 
Yeah, I will I will never forget that when 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 Rudd and his staff got there, they weren't going in the portal, and the report was like, yeah, they they feel pretty good about <laughs> what they got instead. Um, that's a that's quite a statement about the um the sort of where things were before they arrived. This is just wild. It's still wild to me that that, that was actually and they're right. Like that was the thing is like they came out there the next season like oh yep they they were right. Um, but no, I think these are both of these kids are great additions. And, you know, to, to, to what Dave said earlier, the Roger, I mean, like, that's a nice get, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice, um, addition. He just, he just feels, it just fit, you know, it's one of those deals. And that's one of maybe UVA's problems on the recruiting front is like, there has not been enough of those, like, yeah, this one just makes sense and fits and they work out, you know? Um, so it's good to see him kind of take, taking those steps in the right direction. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's at this point because of the transfer portal. I mean, you know, they could, they could still make some additions. What are, what are Dave? I don't want to ask the question quite the same way I did on the basketball side where it's like, all right, if this is the roster, how you feel. Um, but in terms of sort of, if they are going to make any other additions, where do you think they come from? I mean, I think you'd like to add, another corner if not two um i've got to look at the roster i mean i think we're getting close to 85 they're pretty uh, tight scholarship I think. number yeah. yeah i was gonna say i think they've only got yeah. a couple spots left top. but i mean obviously one opened up <laughs> in the spring so yeah but that one got and they, filled, back, they backfilled him right so. <clears throat> yeah um yeah i mean i think you know another corner obviously um you know a lot if the right linebacker was out there i think you could take a look at it um just because there's, you know, you're replacing a lot there with Nick leaving. Um, and then obviously any offensive line piece you get, I think you got to jump on. But overall, like, I mean, I think that's it. The def- believe it or not, like the defensive line, the, the fact that defensive line is, a, you know, the second thing that comes up for Virginia is kind of kind of crazy thinking about where they've been with the defensive line over the last, what, two decades almost. Um, you know, this team's got plenty of depth there. But yeah, with the with the tight roster, I'd say cornerback is probably number one, and offensive line would be number two. But overall, like I mean, I think they they've made decent strides. Look, love it or not, like the way next year's success is going to be built based on um, kind of getting lucky with a couple of offensive linemen. You you can't really go out and get five transfers at a school like Virginia that are ready to come in and start. And even if you could, like how good are they going to be? you got to get some of the guys that were on the roster to pan out. Um, and then obviously you got to figure, you know, hope Jay or, or Tony or whoever quarterback works out. If that happens, Virginia has a chance to have a, a better team than we expect um, schedule, notwithstanding. I'll keep repeating that until August. <laughs> the schedule is the only thing keeping the preseason awesomeness disease at bay. Because I, I look really at this, is, man. I, I look at this and I I'm like, bad. okay, you know what? I think Musket's going to be pretty good. All right, cool. And I'm like, you know what? They got a pretty decent little running back room. All right. And the offensive line, hey, you know what? Maybe not terrible. Maybe they're, you know, c- consistently mediocre, which, you know, might not be a, a bad thing, right? And I think about them the way, I, you know, like last year with the uh, the defense, and I was like, you know, if they just got to decent, and then they did better than that. And you're like, oh, wow. And so then I'm like, oh, skill position. Like, I think Malachi is going to be an absolute beast. And I'm not saying that just because he's like a friend of the pod. I mean, legitimately think he's going to be an absolute beast. Um, like I would think, I think he could be, especially, you know, if Musket is able to be as consistent as I think he can be, I think 
Malachi could be like top five wide receiver in the league. I mean, I think he's that talented and that physical. I think he can really, you know, make a a, a, a huge leap. And so all of a sudden I'm like, well, crap, did I just talk myself in the offense being like good? I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying like good. Because I mean, the defense is is good enough that if they if the offense was good, they as a team could be pretty pretty good, right? And the only thing is that man, that schedule is not fun. Um, that schedule will humble you in a heartbeat if you start to you start to let the preseason awesomeness disease flow through your veins. You know, you start really leaning into it. You look at that schedule, all of a sudden that stuff dries up quick. Um, when you realize Virginia <laughs> plays five games before the end of September. Like your, a lot of your stories written early, well before dudes um, are really comfy in their in their chairs. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of the schedule thing too is just the non-conference part, and that's not yeah, that's fair. That's not breaking any news, but like, I think the non-conference schedule is just is what kind of throws you, especially having two games away from home, which is unusual instead of just one. Yeah. Um, both of those are you know they're probably going to be pretty big underdogs, um, and then. JMU at home looks like, I mean, to a lot of people, I think they're looking at it as a loss. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the, the way it is. Like, I mean, I don't think we need to just write that game off. Um, but it's certainly losable. I, I mean, if they put odds out on it right now, UVA would probably be underdogs. So, um, you know, I, I think the one thing I will keep in mind, and I'm not trying to flip this, but it's sort of, you know, worth kind of noting that schedules don't always look the way that they are. Right. You know, like right. they don't always, they don't always think about last year. Right. We were all like, look how easy the schedule is. Like, you know, and it completely flipped. Illinois was way better than people thought. Syracuse was better than people thought. Duke was way better than people thought. Some of the teams were about what we thought. Like, you know, Georgia tech was bad. Um, Virginia was way worse than we thought. Virginia was way worse than we thought, <laughs> but like Miami was worse, but North Carolina was better. Like, you know, and 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 it doesn't always work out that way. Like NC State right now looks like a loss, right? Who knows? I mean, like maybe they're maybe they're 6 and 6 and you get them at home, you know? I don't know. Um there's definitely like a lot of volatility in the ACC in general. So I wouldn't count on any of those games being like what we think they're going to be now. Um but at the same time, like I think the recipe for them to be better than expected is what you guys laid out, which is that you hid in the transfer portal. We it, it seems to me like on paper, like they kind of did. Now it's like, does that actually play out the way that it needs to? So, you know, what does that look like? Quarterback is good, you know, obviously. Um, the running back transfer, I mean, I think they have enough in that room now. Like, I don't know that they necessarily need, like, Kobe Pace to be great. But if he is great, then that's another bonus. Malik Washington probably needs to be something, you know, probably pretty good. Um, and then you really just need the offensive lineman. You added three guys. If, like, two of them pan out and start and are good, decent starters, then maybe you can cobble an offensive line together that's good enough to get you through some games and keep your quarterback healthy. And then the defensive side of the ball, I, I trust them a little bit more, um, even though it seems like they want to make additions at corner. Um, they seem to feel pretty good about linebacker, but we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, ultimately it's going to come down to whether these transfers pan out. And then also, like, special teams need to be much better. Um, you know, that's a really good point for her. The kicking yeah. game, I mean, they have to be able to make field goals. Like, they need those points. Like, uh, even if their offense is improved – I don't see a scenario where they're putting up 30 points a game. Like, I don't see that as a possibility. 
So you're going to need to eke out some 24, 23s. And that means you're going to have to make some field goals. Um, and, and, you not know, to mention not turn the ball field, over. I was going <laughs> to say playing, playing some good field position and, and, and not, you know, I think ultimately like, you know, they could really, really benefit from, for lack of a description, cleaning some stuff up. I mean, again, we're not asking, we're not, we're not saying like you got to find Cam Newton, right? What we're saying is like, maybe don't like muff a th- a, every third punt, right? Or maybe don't, you know, make mistakes, you know, in, in the little parts of the game, which have dramatic impacts. Yeah. I think what, what we're talking about here is not, it, it's not, you know, moving earth, you know, it's like much simpler than that, or at least the, much more basic. And the crazy thing is, like, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, like, think about how bad the offense was last year. You know, like, they they lost to Miami in four overtimes. Yeah. They lost, Syracuse, <laughs> they lost to Syracuse in the last minute of the game. Like, if you flip those two, and obviously you could flip ODU for sure in the loss column. Um but if you flip those two, I mean, your your season obviously ended the way that it did. But you know, they could have at least even if you flip one of those, you still have a, a like a legit chance to go to a bowl game. Yeah, agree. Because Coastal Carolina at home, and and Grayson McCall was hurt, and then you get Tech, who was just as bad as UVA was. <laughs> like, you know, there's like a real chance that they could have made a bowl. And the way that the season ended, kind of like was the pit game was so bad, and then the season ended. So I think we're focusing on how bad things were and they, they weren't good. Yeah. But, and, and then all the off field stuff, but like, um, I I just think that like, even their offense was so bad and they still were like, the defense was good enough to where they like legitimately almost won like six games. Yeah. It wasn't just the offense was bad. The offense gave up points, you know, so many sixes and and they left a lot of points. They left so many points on the table. Like that ODU game. Remember I wrote that thing. They should have scored like 40 points. Like, cause they just kept getting to the red zone and not scoring. And then they had like Brennan fumbled in the red zone. They like missed a chip shot. They like, Went for it on fourth and one and didn't get it. Um, and then returns, the Miami, fumbles, yeah, yeah. And then the Miami game, obviously, like they had two plays where the guy like went out of bounds or fell at the one, and then they didn't score on either drive, like score score touchdowns on either one. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously that's their own fault, but like you can, and even the Georgia Tech game, I mean, they won sixteen to nine or whatever, but like they left a ton of points on the table in that game. Um, so, I mean, like, you can kind of see where it's like, man, like, if they could have just gotten out of their own way. And the one game where they kind of did was when all those guys were hurt against North Carolina and they actually scored 28 points. And that game, I probably would say you can't really flip the result because I think that's about as good as they could do. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's like, hey, they were in a game with the team that won the Coastal. Like, you Made know. rest in the, peace. Right. They were right there, you know. So Right. right. With, a, with like, their whole offense out. You know, this is just, you know, to me, this is just a year where I wish you started home against the Wave Mary or mm-hmm. Richmond or someone. Um, I just think, you know, given how this season ended last year and all the new pieces, like, you know, going to Nashville against a, a team that's absolutely <laughs> going to have so much, a, a, such a big talent advantage just and a home field. Um, I mean, even if you play well, like you're, you, you would expect Virginia to lose handily. Um, I think that's where your coaches have to set the right expectations. Yeah. And like I think you go there really, to like, win, but it's like, you have to walk out of there and be like, all right, like we all know what just happened. Like we play yeah, Tennessee, you, they're ranked fourth or whatever. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, you yeah, went out of the game semi-healthy and and uh, galvanized because yeah. I think you know that JMU game will go go a long way to kind of telling you how the season could potentially go. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Virginia lose you know start losing that game, um, and having any kind of bowl possibility. Yeah, because yeah, then you have to go to Maryland and then NC State, and it's yeah. like then things spiral on you quickly. I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, um, but that JMU game. You could make an argument that that because they they win that game. And I, I'm not trying to say that like that win or that loss necessarily directly impacts the actual outcomes of other games, but from a narrative standpoint, you know, like that could be supremely detrimental to them um, on a number of fronts, um, and, and that's even taking away like what the actual score is because it, you know, real talk, if they go out there and they get pasted in the opener. And then they follow that up with, a, I mean, that's going to be rough, man. Yeah, Especially if they goes. lose to JMU. Like, if they lose 34-31, and it's yeah. like, well, maybe JMU's just really good. Yeah, right. But that's if you very lose different than 34 it's like 17, yeah, exactly. it's like, all right, yeah. like, this team stinks. Like, right. And now they have to go to Maryland and they play NC State. JMU, but, who currently doesn't have a starting quarterback named, um, a team, <laughs> a team one year removed from FCS, who doesn't have a clear starter at quarterback in May on the road. Yeah. On the road, breeding Virginia is not a great look either way, but um, that's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough game. Like you said, like, you know, you can go from, I mean, I think one and two to start the season, most Virginia fans would be okay. It's just, you know, Oh, and three with, you know, NC state coming to town. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, so, I think you have talked to prepare about yourself times. for so you could get ugly bad. Even if they're decent, like even if they're much improved, like one and three is like almost likely. Absolutely. You know? Oh yeah. yeah and right. so it's like, and then it's like you you have to almost say, this is how like a lot of these Mac. I don't want to make it seem it's not it's an apples to oranges, but like a lot of these Mac teams, they play like Georgia and, and like Michigan State out of conference, right? They start every year like zero and three because they're playing these like bye games. Right. And then it's like, all right, now our season starts. <laughs> so, like, for UVA, it's kind of like – and then they end up going 8-4 and four and going to the Bahamas Bowl or whatever, which is, like, a good season. I think UVA, like, even if things are better, that's a that's sort of the avenue, I think, is like, yeah. all right, you know, Tennessee kicked our ass. That was Nothing we could do about that. And then it's like, you know, you, you find a way to beat JMU, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, this team at least seems to have a pulse. Then you – lose to Maryland. I'm just assuming they're going to lose to Maryland, but you know, who knows? Um, and then, you know, you have the NC state at home, like back to back short, I guess they're not both short weeks cause they're both Fridays now, but, um, you know, like that's going to be tough. The NC state's going to have a really good defense if nothing else. Um, then what, I don't have the schedule up, but they have like William and Mary after that. Right. And then like Boston college, um, or maybe I flip those, but I think, yeah, I think it's like BC and then William and Mary, and then you're into your regular kind of back half of your schedule where they play all the same teams that they always play. That's where you have to, that's where you have to like, all right, you know, they started one and three, but then they, now they're three and three. Right. And it's like, now there's like, there's some runway to at least have like an okay season. And you have the tech game lingering at the end of the year at home, you know, which is winnable at this point. Yeah. Tennessee in Nashville, James Madison home, at Maryland on a Friday, home to NC State on a Friday, then at Boston College September 30th. So, yeah, um, 
the that's the that, one where like if things go really bad and then you lose to Boston College and you're like you maybe I mean there's a real possibility they haven't won yet. Yeah, yeah I mean case. that's the thing. Like the schedule is tough, right? So you get to with those five, then you get William and Mary at home, then you have your bye week, but then you go to Carolina, to Miami back to back. And then Georgia Tech at home, then to Louisville on a Thursday, and then you close with Duke and Virginia Tech. Like I it's think just, I think the recipe schedule. is you have to probably like if you're making a bowl. And I think like I was thinking about this earlier. I think the ceiling for this team is given the schedule is like almost six and six. It's like I don't know how much better they could do. Um, if they do better than six and six, then they really turn something around. Right. Um, I was thinking earlier. But like I think the recipe is you find a way to get to like three and three, three and four, you know, given what you have, and then you finish winning like three out of four. Because you have the three out of four home games, right? And Virginia Tech and Duke are in there. Duke obviously was eight and four, but you know, there's not like a huge talent difference. Um, and you get them at home. And then there was another game in there, right? Who'd you who'd you say? They go to Louisville. Who'd they have before that? Uh, Georgia Tech. At home. Georgia Tech, yeah. Like, I mean, that's your recipe right there. You beat Georgia Tech, Duke, and Virginia Tech or something. Or right. maybe you beat Louisville. Um, and then you kind of You just kind of hope you haven't lost end. the team by that point, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's possible. That's a challenge. Too. Well, speaking yeah. of that, like, to me, I was thinking earlier when we were talking about Tennessee. Like, I think you, if you're Tony, you sort of frame it as we're going to go into Nashville and see where we are, Right. And you, you obviously you go to win, but you're going to basically we're going to go national and see where we are. Yeah, and we're going to see how we fare against the one of the best teams. in the Yeah. Country. And then like, and then either whatever happens, you say, OK, that's where we are. Now we got to figure out how to get, you know, beyond that. And I feel like in some ways, like, look, maybe they go, maybe they go to Nashville and they shock the world. But I feel like in so many ways, the rest of the season will be dictated by like the next week. Right. Like. I, I, I'm not trying to put too much on that one JMU game, um, but I just I really think that a lot of it comes down to like sort of how things where things are and what it, what it feels like, what that narrative is like, what the mo like what the I don't be like hey the, you know it's all about the vibes, but I think for this it might be because some of these kids went through a really tough year last year, right? And if they start out this year and it's really tough all over again in a different in a different way, man, that that's that's a recipe for disaster. But what's weird is that on the flip side of this, like, okay, yes, Tennessee's going to be a juggernaut, right? Fair. All right, the next three games, they're not like all juggernauts, right? Like, you know, a decent, consistent UVA team can win those three games. So what's weird is that like, it's just as likely. You know, it's like Schrodinger's thing. It's like just as likely that UVA's to to go to to lose those three as they are to win them, right? Because all three of them to me, and like I'm sorry, weird stuff happens to NC State. Um, I'm not ever going to trust an NC State team to do anything at any point at any time ever, right? So like, yeah, they might have a good defense, and yet UVA could absolutely hang thirty on them, and I wouldn't be surprised. Right, know who might be playing quarterback? Exactly, and that dude kind of has a propensity to throw pick sixes. Um, you know, welcome back to the Commonwealth, Malcolm Green. No, my my. And the week point, before that, it's like it's Maryland. Yeah, it's Maryland. <laughs> I mean, uh, Maryland's good. Like they're 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 much improved. Mike Loxley's actually yeah, Loxley's yeah, nice he's, yeah, he's doing a pretty nice job. But like you know, and I, they have a returning quarterback. But like it's still Maryland. Like it's not like yeah. it's not like they're going to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all about where Virginia is. You know, right? So yeah, that, really, yeah, I think that's really why, that's why this looks season. so hard though, is because of what we think UVA is. I mean, if they played this schedule last year, I don't think we'd be looking at it and be like, UVA is going to run through this and go 10 and two, but we'd be like, UVA could probably hang with Tennessee (laughs) and they're definitely going to beat JMU because of who they have back on offense. 
Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, it wouldn't have worked out very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you never really know until you line up, but, and there's, there is the possibility that they pull a Duke and just yeah. are like way better than people think because they have all these new players. Um, and a decent but there's also a possibility that they're absolutely terrible. Yes. Like, you know, they could Welcome be worse. to 2023, everybody. That is like, that is the perfect encapsulation. I think, I think the, I think the one scenario that like, I think, I don't want to say I would bet on this, but I think it's possible is that they um, kind of play above their station in the first game because of the time they have to prepare. Tennessee runs a very like weird offense. That's, yeah. you know, like it's and Tennessee's and, uh, Tennessee's players aren't going to be all locked into Virginia. Tennessee's got a lot of change too. I mean, they lost all their receivers. They have a new quarterback um, and they have a lot of new pieces all over the place. Talented, good players, but like new pieces. And, they, you know, their offense is kind of a one-off, but Rudd has, like, all this time to prepare for it. Um, and it's like maybe Tennessee comes out, looks a little clunky, and UVA is a little better than people think. And all of a sudden, I'm not saying UVA wins, but, like, it's, like, you know, 24 to 14. And then it's in the fourth quarter, and it's 31 to 21. And it's like, oh, they're actually kind of in this. And, you know, then they lose 45-28. But it's like, hey, they were in the game. You know, they weren't that bad. And then the next week they lose to JMU by 21. Yeah. I mean, we, we might catch Tennessee looking ahead to Austin P, who they play the following week. Yeah, that's too. true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Tennessee will be fine. They couldn't have Florida the following play- weekend. They had to have Austin P. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think they have Florida after that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, it's, I, I think, but I think Tennessee is, it would be more about like they're breaking in a lot of new pieces. And honestly, like, I don't know that UVA is going to have the guys on defense to keep up. Like, I just don't think they do. But, you know, I could see like, oh, they have like a month to prepare for this. And like, you know, all Tennessee runs is like everything they run is like deep down the field and very, very horizontal. It's like screens and deep balls. And it's like if you can kind of like th- get them to throw some incomplete passes, all of a sudden they're off the field in like a minute, you know? Um, yeah. And I could see them kind of like looking really good in that game or like looking decent. And it's like, oh, wow, this was a huge kind of like Mike London going to USC. And it's oh, like they, yeah. they were in that game and it's like, oh, wow, like they're really better than we thought they were going to be. Or and the then game it's like in the, Oregon. It was know. sort of a misnomer. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Well, we have lots of time to discuss all of that <laughs> stuff. So we will we will get to that at a at a later date um, in the spring and summer. Um, speaking of spring and summer, if you are somebody out there who has uh, been, I don't know, getting tired of what you're doing and you want some sort of change this year. Um, look. My boy Andy, uh, my my perfect franchise, um, he knows how to help you out with that. If you're somebody stuck in corporate America and you want to get out, you want some sort of change of pace, you want to do something different, uh, you want to get in touch with him, talk about sort of the opportunities that are out there in terms of franchises, in terms of the different businesses he works with, he can connect you with the right people to sort of get something started and, you know, by the time UVA plays football again, maybe maybe you're in a different spot too. So give them a look at MyPerfectFranchise.net. My thanks to them for their support of the website and of the show. Now, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much again to listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod yet, you have not given us a look at the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Lots of stuff. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been heavy on the transfer portal. Um, even the, again, if you're listening to this on Thursday and something crazy happened last night, it's not our fault. It's Dave's fault, just to be clear. But I do want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And of course, I want to thank 
Dave and Ferber again graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.